welcome to First Baptist Church. You're listening to the teaching ministry of Pastor Sherman Burkhead. Check us out on the internet at fbcboron.org. Today we're actually we're kicking off a brand new series titled Portraits of Christianity and uh, the subtitle of this series is Living uh, Images of Jesus Christ. Um, you see, last week uh, we, we, we had an important day uh, in our church calendar which was called Vision Sunday. And, and Vision Sunday this year we talked about the mission and the vision of First Baptist Church and we talked about how as Christians we need to just, we need to not to talk the talk but we need to walk the walk. Uh, the entire discussion last week was centered on becoming and creating spiritually maturing Christ followers. And, and that's the mission of our church. We are people who, who follow Jesus, but we're also in the process of spiritually maturing. Or in other words, we're in the process of growing up and, and maturing spiritually, which means we're, we're growing every day to become more and more like Jesus Christ. In fact, uh, in Ephesians 4.13, we're told to grow until we attain the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God to the mature manhood, which is, which is spiritual maturity, uh, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. The Apostle Paul in this letter tells us that we're to grow into the full image of Jesus Christ, that, that spiritual maturity, our spiritual maturity leads us somewhere. It leads us to become like living images of Jesus Christ. In fact, Paul even tells us in, in Romans 8.29, for those he foreknew, he pre- predestined to be conformed into the image of Christ. We are predestined, or it's, it's God's divine plan that, that, that we become the image of Jesus. We're, pre, we're predestined or to be shaped and conformed into the image of Christ. Paul also tells us in uh, 2 Corinthians 3.18, that we, with unveiled faces, uh, beholding the glory of the, of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image from one degree uh, of glory to another. We, as Christ's followers, are right now are in the process of being remade and transformed in the very image of Jesus. And this is an important idea because Paul tells us, he, when he's talking about Jesus here, he says he is the image of the invisible God. It's Colossians 1.15. Paul tells, tells us that Jesus is the visible image of the invisible God, and we are to be conformed to that same image. See, we're not just being conformed into the image of some man. We're being conformed back into the image of God. Because guess what? That's exactly what we were created for. That's how it was supposed to be from the beginning. We were created to bear the image of God. We were to be His image bearers. In fact, the Bible tells us in Genesis 1.26, God said, let us make man in our image, after our likeness. We were created in the image of God. It's how it all started out. That's what was God's plan for us from the very beginning. We were made to be in His image. We were to be living images here on earth. We were to be His reflection here on this earth. But something happened. Sin entered the world and it distorted everything. It distorted us. Sin has made us distorted, misshapen, broken images of God. We no longer reflect what, what God looks like. We, we no longer look like that image that He created us to be. And so, uh, but God sent His Son, Jesus... To, to redeem us and to save us and, and then to reshape us and remold us back into that image. God sent Jesus to restore what was broken and what was, what was lost. And that's why we're being remade and conformed into the image of Christ. Because we, you know, um, uh, are being remade back into the image of God. And that was his plan from the very beginning. Now, 
This right here, that's the point of spiritual maturity. Spiritual maturity is to become mature and conformed into the image of Christ. It's to become Christ-like. Following Jesus, you know, becoming spiritually mature is about becoming more and more like who Jesus is. And until we attain that fullness of His image of our Lord and Savior. And, and so with that, you know, that's what this series is all about. This series is all about, you know, what it looks like to be conformed to the image of Jesus. Um, we're we're going to explore what it looks like uh, to be conformed and shape to the, the image of Christ, you know, from a practical standpoint and a theological standpoint. Um, we're going to talk about how we can progress towards becoming that image. And, and the obvious question then is, what does it look like? What does that look like to be conformed to the image of Christ? What does it look like to be a Christ follower? I mean, this is a really tough question because here's the truth. If you ask 20 different people what it looks like to be a Christ follower, you might get 20 different answers. And, and the reason for that is because there's just a lot of preconceived ideas of what it means uh, to be a Christian. There's a lot of culturally driven ideas. There are a lot of, lot of media driven ideas what it means to be a Christian. There's even geographical ideas of what it means to be a Christian. And, and for many, you know, for many Christians, it's this. When they think about Christianity, they think about, you know, something like this. A sweet little innocent child praying to God. You know, this is symbolic of the childlike way we're supposed to come to God. But for others, it could be something like this, you know. It's owning a Bible, you know, and that you have the Bible on, on, your, on your table, you know. And, and we as Christians, you know, can't you tell that we're a Christian family? We have a Bible on the table and we have some scriptures on the wall and some, some you know, not, as, not of this world bumper stickers on our car. For others, Christianity is this deep, rich experience of corporate worship. That's what, for them, Christianity is all about. And then others, they see it like this, serving the left, you know, less fortunate, giving and sacrificing. You know, some people even think that it's the aesthetic lifestyle where you sacrifice all your worldly goods to be of service to other people in the name of Jesus. While others see Christianity like this classic and quaint Americana with hymnals and pews and organs and steeples and you know people in suits and ties while others around the world see it as this as old world and pious and submissive and, and traditional hearkening back a thousand years but a growing number see it this way okay or, or even this way you know with in your face street preaching or maybe this way you know, or perhaps this way with the, the preacher screaming and shouting and carrying on so loud and for so long that, that he almost passes out because he forgets to breathe. Or, or maybe somehow we see it, you know, this way. You know, some, some people really see Christianity this way. This is the picture that a lot of people, ex, you know, expect Christians to be. Angry and hateful and self-righteous and condemning and hypocritical. And then other people see the sacrifice of Christianity this way. Okay sublimely willing to be martyred for your faith. These men in the orange jumpsuits here were beheaded uh, by members of ISIS for one simple reason. They were Christians and they refused to recant. And these men, the, 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 the story is that these men, they prayed and they sang hymns all the while they were being executed, faithful to the very end. You see, the, the truth is Christianity has lots of expressions. Um, it, it, what it looks like to be a Christ follower can look differently to different people. And some people have good ideas of what, it, what, what being the image of Christ looks like. And, and others have completely flawed ideas. Even Christians have completely flawed ideas of what the image of Christ is. Which raises then you know, a really, really big question. With all these different perspectives and all these different expressions of Christianity, is there something foundational 
of what it means to be a Christ follower? Is there something at its core of what it means to follow Jesus? Is there, is there really a way to know if, if, if someone's actually following Christ? Is there a way to live and behave that actually demonstrates in the, 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 the wide world around us the very image of Christ? And the answer is yes. It's simply yes. There is a way to live and behave that demonstrates the image of Christ. And we find that and how to live that out through the pages of God's written word. Uh, we find it in the Bible. The Bible is the revelation of Jesus Christ himself to the world, particularly the New Testament. And in it you will find lots of places where you can read and study and find what it looks like to be remade into the image of Christ. There's lots of sections that you can look to and uncover of what it means uh, to follow Jesus. The entire New Testament gives us snapshots of who Jesus is and how to actually be more like him in our daily lives. And, and I'm going to encourage you to read it. Read it all. But for this particular series, over the next several weeks, um, there's one section of the Bible that we're going to focus on. And that section of the Bible is perhaps one of the very best and the clearest illustrations of, of what it means to follow Christ. The Bible, you know, uh, this is a section in the Bible that, that probably has one of the very closest up you know, expressions of who Jesus is and how we can follow him. And so we find that in the book of Luke, and it's going to be in chapter number 6. And so over the next several weeks, and if you guys want to turn there, we're going to start there. Um, and so over the next several weeks, uh, we're going to look at and we're going to take apart the sixth chapter of the Gospel of Luke. And we're going to do that with the expressed intended purpose of trying to find out and to discern, you know, what it looks like to be a Christian. What it looks like to actually follow Jesus. What it looks like, you know, in the world at large to be conformed and to be shaped into that image of Christ. You know, we're, we're going to answer the question, what does spiritual maturity look like as we grow into the fullness of the image of Christ? And so Luke chapter 6 is a wealth of theological and practical lessons that, uh, that we can use to, to be like Christ. And so over the next several weeks, we're going to talk about that. In fact, uh, in the next several weeks, we're going to talk about Jesus and what he said to do. You know, and especially the hard things. And then we're going to actually talk about what Jesus did as an example for us all. And so, um, so we can learn to grow into the fullness of, of his image. And so today, where I want to begin is with the end of the chapter. Because actually, I think this is the, the end of the chapter is, is really the foundation of what we're going to talk about for the next several weeks. The end of the chapter is kind of like the cornerstone uh, that we're going to build off of over the next uh, probably like four or five weeks. And so... What I want to do this morning is, is I just want to just read this section together and then we'll just take a little time and, and, and pull it apart and dig a little deeper and see how we can actually apply it to our lives. So uh, Luke chapter 6, beginning in verse 46, Jesus says, Why do you call me Lord? Why do you call me Lord, Lord? And do not do what I tell you to do. Everyone who comes to me, hears my word and does them, I will show you what he is like. He is a man building a house who dug deep and laid the foundation on the rock. And when the flood rose, the stream broke against the house and could not shake it because it had been well built. But the one who hears and does not do them is like a man who built his house on a ground without foundation. And when the stream broke against it, immediately it fell, and the ruin of the house was great. Now, if you're a Christian, 
This is a text that's probably pretty familiar to you. I mean, you've probably heard this before. And if you grew up in the church, you probably grew up, you know, singing a song similar to this. It was based really on Matthew 7, uh, 24 through 27. You know, that song goes, A wise man builds his house upon the rock. Get another, okay. Yeah, if you don't know it, then just Google it because I'm not going to sing it for you today. But, um, but the thing is, is you know, it, it, this is a very familiar text to us Christians. We've, we've heard this many, many, many times. Now, um, you know, be, but it's, being that it's familiar, it's really important to understand the context here. So before we kind of jump in here, let me just kind of set up, you know, what's going on. Chapter 6 opens up with Jesus in his very early part of his ministry. And he and his disciples are in a conflict with some Pharisees um, or the religious people about what the Sabbath is about. And then a little further after that, Jesus spends some time praying. And then he selects his 12 disciples, you know, his, his 12 apostles, uh, you know, those people that are closest to him. And then right after that, he, de- he delivers the most, one of his famous sermons, or the most famous sermon, uh, the Sermon on the Mount. And that sermon lasts all the way to the end of chapter 6. And it is in this sermon that Jesus talks about, he begins with talking about the Beatitudes. That's that part of the Bible where he said, you know, blessed is the poor and, you know, woe to the rich and so forth. And, and then after that, Jesus talks about how, how Christians should behave and how they should live. And he goes into detail and he really talks about some important aspects of the Christian life, such as loving and, and forgiving and judging and teaching and hypocrisy. And then he wraps up this whole chapter and he wraps up this whole sermon okay, with this text that we just read. So let's just look at this one more time and see what Jesus says. He says, why do you call me Lord, Lord, when you do not do what I tell you? Let's just, let's just stop right here. He, he, he preaches this whole sermon and then he wraps this up with this question. And this is an important question. Why do you call me Lord? Why would you call me Master? Why would you say that you belong to me? Why would you say that you're one of my disciples? Why would you say that but not do what I say? This is a huge admonition. I mean, this is a stunningly important question. Why would you think to call me Lord but ignore what I tell you to do? Why would you do that? Why would you call yourself by my name and refuse to follow my commands? I mean, this is a really serious question. In fact, Matthew, um, in the book of Matthew, in his gospel, he expands upon this discussion. He records Jesus saying, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, okay? So not everyone who calls me master, not everyone who calls me Lord will enter the kingdom of, God, uh, kingdom of heaven. And let me say that again. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. Now this statement right here, this should capture your full attention. This is one of those, those things that Jesus says that should cause you to sit straight up in your chair. This is one of those things that should, should actually make your heart beat a little bit faster. Because Jesus said, not everyone who calls me Lord, not everyone who calls himself a Christian, not everyone who claims to follow me will enter the kingdom of heaven. This is a staggering statement because, because not every person who thinks that they are a Christ follower actually is a Christ follower. Jesus says, not everyone who calls me Lord will enter the kingdom. And then he goes on to say, but the one who does. If you get your Bible, you might want to underline that word right there. But the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. You see, in this text right here, Jesus connects the dots for us between believing and doing. He says, not everyone who who says that they follow me actually follows me. But the one who does the will of my Father... Uh, Father, he actually is the one that's following me. And then he says in, in verse 22, on that day, which he's talking about judgment day here, on that day many will say to me, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and cast out demons in your name and do many mighty works in your name? 
And then notice what he says. And then he said, I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you workers of lawlessness. Now this right here, this is a striking, stinging rebuke. These are hard words. This is one of those tough texts to live by as a Christian. This is one of those, those texts that makes us you know, anxious a little bit. Because on that day, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name or cast out demons in your name and do many mighty works in your name? On that day, didn't we do religious things in your name? I mean, didn't we at one point hold church services in your name? Didn't we obey a bunch of rules in your name? Didn't we do the things that religious people do in the name of Jesus? And then he will declare, I never knew you. Depart from me, you workers of lawlessness. This is... This is an earth-shattering idea because, because this text, what we see is this dichotomy. There's this distinct difference between what many people consider uh, Christ-like behavior is and what Christ-like behavior actually is. There's a difference between uh, what people think it means to follow Jesus and what it actually means to follow Jesus. He says, people will come to me and say, Lord, you know, didn't we do this and didn't we do that? I mean, didn't I feed hungry kids in your name? Didn't we remove evil in your name? Didn't we do these wonderful works in your name? I mean, didn't we? Didn't I attend every service that the church had and every time the doors were open, I was there in your name? And Jesus will say, I declare I never knew you. Depart from me, you workers of lawlessness. Depart from me. You're not my followers. You're not my disciples. I mean, you might call yourselves Christians, but you're not. I mean, you, you, know, you, do the things that, 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 you do the things that you think that make you one of my followers, but you don't actually do the things that I say to do. You do the things that religious people do, but you don't do the things that I tell you to do. You don't do what I instruct you to do. What you, you, know, you don't do what I actually say to do. You do something completely different. You may be religious. These might be religious things. You might be doing traditional things. You might do things that other people who call themselves Christians do. But what you do isn't what I say to do. And because of that, you're not my follower. You don't belong to me. You can call yourself Christian if you want, but it doesn't mean that's what you are. You can call yourself a space pirate too. I don't care, but that doesn't mean that's what you're going to be. You see, Jesus is very clear about what a Christ follower is. And what a Christ follower isn't. And for Jesus, a Christ follower is someone who does what he says and mimics what he does. That's what it means to follow Jesus. That's what it means to be a disciple of Christ. That's what discipleship is all about. It's following wherever the master leads you and doing what the master says to do and then mimicking what the master does himself. That's what a disciple is. That's a follower. That's what it looks like to follow Jesus. And we can, we can have you know, whatever picture we want of what Christianity looks like, but if we don't have this, if we don't have this, we don't have authentic, you know, Christianity. And I don't care how great a person's intentions are. I don't care how many services a person goes to. I don't care how many verses we memorize out of the Bible. It doesn't matter. If we don't have this, we don't have authentic Christianity. Regardless of how old your church is. Regardless of how old your tradition is. Regardless of how, how, how much religious you know, history you, know, you have. If you don't have this, you're not an authentic Christ follower. You see, Jesus says in Luke 6, verse 47, Everyone who comes to me and hears my words and does them, I will show you what he is like. He is like a man who builds his house, who dug deep and laid the foundation on the rock. And then the flood arose, and then the stream broke against the house and could not shake it because it was well built. 
But the one who hears and does not do them is like a man who built his house on the ground without a foundation. When the stream broke against it, immediately it fell, and the ruin of the house was great. In fact, again, Matthew records Jesus saying kind of like this way. He said, everyone who hears the words of mine and does them is like a man who builds his house on the rock. And the rain fell, the floods came, and the winds blew and beat on the house. And it did not fall because it had been, it had been founded on the rock. And everyone who hears the words of mine and does not do them is like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. And the rain fell, the floods came, and the winds blew and beat against the house. And it fell, and great was the fall of it. Jesus is saying, don't fool yourself. You can say what you want to say. And you can build your house and your life any way that you want to. But understand, there will come a time in your life and in your, where your faith will be tested. And you will then know for sure who is really my follower. Because if you're someone who doesn't do what I say, and you don't follow where I lead, you're a foolish man who's building his house in the sand, and it's only a matter of time until it comes crashing down on you. And you're going you're to say, Lord, Lord, but didn't we prophesy in your name? Didn't we cast out demons in your name? Didn't we do all these great things in your name? And he's going to say, I, didn't know who, I don't know who you are. Depart from me. You're no follower of mine. But then, but if you say, you know, you follow my example, and if you actually follow my lead, Jesus is saying, if you will actually sell out for me, if you'll do what I say, you're like the wise man who builds his house on the rock, the solid rock foundation of my word and who I am, Jesus says. And one day the storm, when it comes and trials come, you won't have to say, I'm a Christ follower. You won't have to tell people I follow Jesus. It will be evident for all to see. Because your house and your life is built to stand firm on the Word of God. Because you built your house and your life on the rock, Jesus Christ. You built it on me, Jesus said. You followed where I lead. You did what I said to do. You followed my very example. You won't have to tell people that you follow me. Everyone's going to know that you follow me just by the way that you live. So get busy doing what I said to do. Now, let me just kind of handle a couple of objections that kind of pop up right from the front. What I'm saying here, what I'm not saying here, is what you do saves you. That's not what I'm saying. Doing what Jesus says, that's not the thing that saves you, okay? It's not even remotely close to what I'm saying, because as we talked about last week, for by grace you have been saved through faith, it is not your own doing, it is the gift of God, not the result of works. So that no one may boast. Your salvation has nothing to do with your performance. You cannot make God love you. You cannot earn his favor. You cannot, you know, by your works, overcome the stain of your own sin. Salvation is by grace and grace alone. It is God's gift to us that we receive by faith. And we receive it when we place our hope and our trust in Jesus Christ. For grace you have been saved through faith. It is not your own doing. It's a gift from God. Not a result of works so that no one may boast. But look what the next verse says. It says this. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus. Now notice this. For good works, which God has prepared beforehand that we should what? We should walk in them. See, we are God's workmanship because God is recreating us in Christ for a purpose. 
And that purpose is to do the works and the good works that He has already, already, by His plan, His sovereign plan, prepared for us to do. So what Paul is saying here is that you're saved by grace through faith. You can't earn that. But in the process of being saved, you are being remade. You are being transformed. Something is changing in you. God is at work in you, preparing you to do the work that He's called you to do. So what you do doesn't save you. But what you do is actually the evidence of the fact that He has already saved you. So if you do what Jesus says, that the evidence that He has brought you into His family, it's the evidence of the fact that the Holy Spirit now lives in you, convicting you, changing you, reshaping you. It's the evidence that God's at work in you. And because of that, because God is at work in you, you are a true, authentic Christ follower. But if you refuse to do what Christ says to do, if you would rather you know, act religious instead of walking in the commands and the statutes of Christ that He calls us to, if you'd rather call yourself a Christian but not actually follow where Jesus wants to lead you, you'd be wise and ask yourself the question, did I actually meet the risen Savior? Did I actually meet Jesus? Because I'm going to tell you, my friends, no one meets the risen Savior and walks away the same way. Did I actually put my faith and trust in Him? Did I just, just pray a prayer on some emotions? Or did I actually move in faith into Jesus Christ? Because here's what it looks like. Faith in Christ is like this chair. You see, I can believe that this chair exists. I can believe right here that it's, it will support me. I can learn all there is to know about the chair. I can memorize the owner's manual about this chair. I can preach and teach about this chair. And I can write a book of theology about the chair. But it's not until I place my trust on the chair that I'm actually believing in the chair. It's not until I take the weight off of my own legs and put it on the chair and on the chair's legs am I actually trusting and believing the chair. And it's not until you take the hope and, and all the trust that you have and place it on Christ. It's not until you stop hoping and trusting in yourself. It's not until you stop hoping and trusting in money and materialism and, and relationships. It's not until you actually take your hope and your trust and place it firmly on Christ that you actually have a relationship with Him. Because it's an exchange. You stop being the Lord of your own life, you know, and you take the weight of your life off of you, and then you make Jesus the Lord of your life, and you put all the weight of your life on Him. That is what you do. That is when the exchange happens. When Jesus becomes your Lord, your life has to change. It just changes by default. And, 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 and you, who you are, will change. Your wants, your desires, your hopes, your dreams begin to change. Following Jesus then becomes a natural byproduct of that change. You will do what Jesus says to do. And the world will see the house that you build and the light that you live. And you won't have to say, I'm a Christ follower. They will know that you're a Christ follower. Everyone who comes to me and hears my word and does them, I will show you what he is like, Jesus says. He is like a man building his house who dug deep, laid the foundation on the rock. And when the flood arose, the stream broke against the house and it could not shake it because it was well built. But the one who hears and does not do them is like a man who built his house on the ground without a foundation. When the stream broke against it, immediately it fell and the ruin of that house was great. So, why do you call me Lord, Lord, and not do what I tell you to do? Because if you 
don't do what I say, then you need to check your heart and check and see if you're really my disciple, if you have really made that exchange. Because if you are, you will do what I say. Now, some of you might say, well, wait a minute, wait a minute. I place my trust in Jesus, okay? I know for a fact I have a relationship with Him. I experience the Holy Spirit coming into my life, okay? I have experienced God changing me. I know that I have that relationship with Him. But I fall short, and I don't do everything Jesus calls me to do. I mean, there's some stuff that's really, really hard that Jesus is calling me to do. And I'll say, you're absolutely right. You probably have a relationship with Jesus. You probably have an authentic Christ follower. And I understand the struggle that comes with growth. Boy, do I understand. And I realize that Jesus grows people like he does trees, little by little by little. I also realize that some people will, will mature spiritually faster than some other people will. And that some people will struggle in areas that other people overcome really quickly. So I understand what you mean. And I'm not saying that you're not a Christ follower. But what I am saying is that if you are an authentic Christ follower, you need to continue to grow as a Christ follower. You need to continue to grow and submit more and more and more every day to God's will, doing what Christ actually says to do. So I encourage you to continue to grow that way. In fact, let's just get real, real practical this week. Over the next several weeks, we're going we're gonna to be talking about some things that Jesus actually says to do and, and what Jesus actually does by example and that he expects us to do. And so some of what we're going to talk about might be tough for us, and, and I know it's tough for me, and it might be something that you might even be struggling with right now. So what I would ask you to do is, beginning this week, you know, as your homework, take some time, get alone with God and pray, and then just pray, Lord, help me follow you. Help me to do what you want me to do. Strengthen me. Encourage me. Help me to follow where you lead. Help me to let go of my resistance. Help me to let go of the desires that keep, you know, that keep, keep me from doing the things you want me to do. Lord, help me to progress in the areas you want me to grow. It may be imperfect progress, but help me to pro- progress nonetheless. And, and, and Lord, help me to, to progress so that people will know that you're my Lord and that you're worthy. And I truly and sincerely want to be your follower. Pray that this week. Pray that God would open and prepare your heart. And that when God leads, you would just follow Him. Just pray that He would open your heart. And when God begins to lead you, just take that step in faith and follow Him. And watch what happens in your life over the next several weeks. Because God absolutely will honor the desire to grow and change and to be more like Him. Because that is exactly what His plan is. He wants to help you to be conformed into the image of Jesus Christ. Now, maybe... You have not placed your trust in Christ yet. Maybe you have not made Him your sovereign Lord. Maybe you just started believing, you know, just recently that God exists. Or, or maybe you, you never knew that He existed, but you didn't... Uh, or maybe you knew that He existed before, but just didn't want to have a relationship with Him until now. Or perhaps, you know, you're at a point in your life where, you know, you've prayed a prayer, you know, you know based on some emotions or, or because someone told you to, but nothing really changed in your life because, because you might have just, you know, you know, said some words, but nothing internally actually, you know, connected. I mean, when I was five years old, I prayed a prayer, you know, because my grandma urged me to, but I'm going to tell you, I didn't get saved until I was in my thirties. Maybe that's you. And perhaps you didn't actually make that exchange and place all of your hope and trust on Christ. Well, today's a really good day for all that. Today's a great day to take that step and make the exchange. If you've never believed before, 
Today's a great day to do that. In fact, let's all bow our heads. Let's all close our eyes. And in a moment, I'm going to pray for you, and I'm going to uh, invite you to receive uh, Christ. But right now, if you're someone who has never received uh, Christ, and you're ready to take that step in faith, if you've never received Christ before, and you're ready to take, uh, take that step in faith, will you raise your hand? I see you. And if you're someone who maybe, you know, you've made a profession of faith in the past and perhaps, you know, you were just feeling in the moment, but there was no real commitment to trust Jesus. But now you understand what it means to follow Jesus and you're ready to commit your hope into his hands. Will you raise your hand? I see your hands. Or perhaps you're just a follower of Christ who's strayed away lately. That you, you really have a, a relationship with Jesus, but you've walked away for a bit. And, and you're not doing what Christ says. And you know that he's calling you back home. And you're ready to recommit your life and, and your, your hope into his hands. You know, and you're ready to follow Jesus wherever he leads from this day forward. Would you raise your hand? All right, I see your hands. All right, with all of our heads bowed and our eyes closed, let's just pray this together. And you can just repeat after me. And if you don't want to, you don't have to. But I'm just going to invite those who, who would actually just audibly you know, repeat after me do so. And so we begin. Dear Heavenly Father, I can see it clearly now. I'm a broken sinner. I'm broken and I need a Savior. And I admit I can't fix it. I can't make myself worthy. I can't remove the stain of my sin. I can't do enough to make it right. I am hopeless without you. I ask, Lord, rescue me. Save me. Today I place all my hope and all my trust on Jesus Christ. The same Jesus that lived a perfect life, who died for my sins. That same Jesus, you rose from the dead three days later. I place all my trust in him. I want to be more like him. Please send the Holy Spirit into my life as a sign that I am forever yours. Help me to walk and follow Jesus. Help me to do what he says. Help me live in a manner worthy of the life you've called me to. Thank you for saving me. Thank you for restoring me. Thank you for the gift of salvation. I love you, Lord. Be glorified in my life. It's in Christ's name I pray. Amen. Thank you for listening. You've been listening to the teaching ministry of Pastor Sherman Burkhead. Check us out on the internet at fbcboron.org. And please consider partnering with us financially as we share the hope and the healing of Jesus Christ with our community and with the world.